Ready to roll? Yes, sir. All right, Tristan Garland, thank you so much for coming on to the show today. Uh, you're, you're one of my best friends, have been for a long time, and I think you have a really remarkable story and you're a remarkable person. So again, thank you. My pleasure. Right on. So, I mean, where do we even begin, man? Like, yeah, how did you become, how did Tristan Garland become this ridiculously funny, uh, hardworking, goofy, dancing mm-hmm. All, there's too many things to say that you are. You're, you're a well-rounded person, but you didn't come from an environment that would that would guarantee that you'd become this interesting, good person. So tell us about where you come from and why you're this way. Um, well, I come from uh, a family who, or that, struggled with um, opioid addiction. Like, before I was born, my mom and my dad... Uh, both struggled a lot with opioid addiction and then when I was born they couldn't like take care of me so um my grandparents actually uh took me in instead and they raised me and um I think a lot of me like who I am is I have a lot of role models and I think I I like to take like bits and pieces out of everybody I like and kind of incorporate them into myself a little bit and kind of like I'm always trying to change a little bit like in the best way I can possible um but uh you you credit your you not being like your parents to some role models that you have yeah um I think like to name a couple, I mean, you're obviously a really big one. Um, well, I'm honored. Thank you. And, uh, and Joey Reese is also a really big role model of mine. Um, I just, I really, I really like unique people. I really like determined people. I really like people who are just very driven and, you know, people who, when they walk into a room, like everybody knows who they are because they're such good people. Um, and that's kind of, um, me. <laughs> well, who's Joey Reese? For the vast majority of people will not know who that is. Uh, Joey Reese is, uh, he, well, where do I start with him? Um, I met him at an open mat in high school. I was actually wrestling with you. Joey came in and I was kind of like a, kind of a wimp and kind of like a tubby kid at that time. And, uh, so I went over and wrestled with Joey, and I got my butt kicked. And then he went back to wrestling with Paul because he was getting ready for the state tournament. Um, and then I didn't see Joey for a while, but then a couple years later, uh, he started working at the pool, and he does MMA fighting. And he, uh, I mean, he trains like crazy. He's one of the only people I think that I've met that trains much, much harder than me. Like I, I, I do know I train hard, and Joey is, uh, he's crazy. Um, his work ethic is just out of this world. I could say good things about him all day. Mm-hmm. No, it's rare to find people that really, really work hard. I, I find that if you experiment with trying to have like workout buddies and stuff, it's I, rare to find someone that will come close to tears or will at least be dripping sweat after a good hard workout. Most guys go in there and hit a few curls and they're pretty much done. Go home and drink a yeah, take a picture, drink some protein <laughs> after or something. Yeah, I I don't really like lifting with people. I just I think it kind of slows me down a little bit. Um, but I I do lift with people sometimes, but most of the time I just like, I'm very set on a schedule when I lift and I like to, like, I know exactly how long everything is going to take me in the gym Hmm. usually. So it's like, uh, uh, 
it's very measured, I guess. Mm-hmm. Well, tell us a little more before we jump into too much of the today stuff. Let's mm-hmm. figure out more where you come from. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, like what environment did you grow up in? You said quickly that your family, you came from a family of opioid addicts. Tell us more about what the environment was like when you were growing up. Well, I, I wouldn't say all of them were addicted to opioids, but my mother and my father. My father was, uh, he was actually a drug dealer, and my mother um, was just an addict who happened to be dating him. And wh- where where did this take place? I'm sorry. Pontiac. Yeah. Pontiac, okay. Pontiac actually has a really bad opioid problem. There was a statistic a couple years ago, I think it was one in five people that you meet in Pontiac uh, could tell you where you could get heroin. Uh, or some sort of narcotic or something like that. It's bad there. That's insane. Yeah, yes. I, I had on the guy that's running for sheriff, Tom Vygaski, and he says, "Oops," and he says that uh, it's it's on the rise right now and just continues to climb. Um, I think even more so with COVID, and there's like a, a sharp spike or a mega rise in fentanyl, and I don't know what that is exactly, but he's it, it's bad news in Pontiac. Although it's a you know I I like the town. It's kind of a hub for a lot of that activity, so I've been told. Yes, it is, yeah. So anyway, you said your parents were, your mom was a, just kind of got wrapped up with your dad, who was the dealer, and she was the addict. Yes, yes, and they, they kind of, I mean, they on, they actually, like, sold drugs together and stuff. Like, they would do all this stuff together. Um, but when I was born, like, my grandparents took, I think it was, like, a couple days after. I can't remember exactly how long after I was born, but very soon after I was born, my grandparents became my legal guardians. And uh, uh, I would say another role model of mine is my grandfather because he um, he's one of the hardest working people I've ever met. He worked for the same company since he was 19 years old. Um, it was a, a plumbing, uh, like, a, like a local 99, pipe fitters, type deal. I, I can't He's doing some trade work. Yes, this. yes, that's the word I'm looking for. Um and he did that all the way until he was 67 or 68. I don't know how old he is now, but he did it for a long time and I would not be able to do that. That would drive me crazy. I kind of like those guys. I like the guys that do a to hard job, a trade for many years and they just keep climbing the ladder and getting better and better. Mm-hmm. There's something about them, like their discipline because they're doing a, a job that's not exactly super enjoyable for a long time and they, they often don't miss days. They're reliable. Mm-hmm. The more reliable they are, the longer they stay in it, the better reviews they get and mm-hmm. credibility they have. And, and just something about that, the people that get up early every day and work hard mm-hmm. and they stick with a thing, it's like you can't help but respect those people. And that was yeah. your grandpa. Yeah, and um, my grandma when he would go to work, she would, she actually retired around the time I was born, a little bit after I was born. And then they became my guardians. And then my grandma would watch me during the day. And, uh, my grandpa would come home at like four o'clock, but, um, my mom and my uncle Dustin, who is her twin brother, um, they would kind of come around a lot and they would ask for money and, uh, my uncle Dustin was also addicted to heroin. I, he still is. We just don't know like what state he's in right now. He just kind of fled Illinois because. Oh, you not not physical state. He's well, yeah, physical state. But you don't. I thought you meant like we don't know if he's in a good state or a bad state. You mean no. physical? He might be in Iowa. Yeah, we don't know where he is. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he just uh, he got caught with a bunch of stuff a couple years ago, and then somehow fled and went to a different state and we haven't heard from him so that your mom and 
your uncle were both heroin addicts in uh these yeah. and you were staying at their parents' place, your grandparents. Yes. Yeah. Um and kinda like most of my young life, like they would be in and out of prison a lot. I didn't really have a like a super good relationship with um like my mom or my uncle Dustin. Like I had some good memories with my uncle Dustin, but like I mean I I'd say actually probably one of the only good memories I have with him is that he showed me uh, a lot of music, a lot of rap music. Like that's a big part of me is I love rap music. I love uh, good storytelling in rap music. And he showed me that, but he also would steal stuff from me. Like he, um, there was this one time my grandfather got an iPad from his work and he didn't know how to use it. So he gave it to me and my uncle Dustin came by and he was going to stay with us for a couple days. And he said, if you let me borrow the iPad until Monday, I will give you $30. And like, I'm a little kid, so $30 is a lot of money to me. Uh, and I'm like, sure. And so I give it to him and he's like, all right, I got to drop it off at this person's house and they're going to keep it for the weekend Then we'll get it on Monday. And that person was a drug dealer. And I just had a weird feeling about that. So I told my grandfather when I got home and he like freaked out on my uncle Dustin. He told him like, you know, you need to get your ass in town and get that. And I'm not giving you a ride. You can walk. And he did. He walked like three miles into town and then he walked back and he got back like late at night. Did your uncle Dustin live with you guys? No, he would just like stop by very, very often. And he would ask for stuff like Mm. ask for favors, ask for money, ask for a ride somewhere. Or he would just ask to stay for a while, like hang out. And then he would end up basically living with us for a little bit, periods at a time. So how old do you think you were when your parents gave you to your grandparents? I think uh, I think it was like about a month after I was born. If I had to guess, I think it was about a month. A month after you were born? So you never really had your, your real parents, your biological parents, as your parental figures? No. Never? No. Okay. Was that weird for you at all to grow up with grandparents as your guardians? I think it was to other people because... Like, it's for me, it was all I ever knew, really. Like, as far back as I can remember, like, I've always just been with my grandparents. But to other people who see me getting dropped off at school by my grandparents all the time, they're like, you know, why does he live with his grandparents? You know, what's up with that? Um, but to me, it was pretty normal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What do you ever have? Any, do you have any memories of like drug usage in your house growing up, or were you completely oblivious? Um, I mean, I was, I was pretty oblivious. Um, I mean, sometimes I would like, I'd walk by my uncle Dustin and I could smell a bunch of marijuana on his breath, but I didn't know that's what it was. Um, but then like, as I got older, I really started to notice, okay, like there's clearly something wrong with him when he's walking around the house at like two in the morning and, uh, stuff like that. Like he's just kind of not all there, my uncle Dustin really, or well, my mom's kind of all there too, but uh, my uncle is far less. I think. Did you see your parents very often? Did they ever come around? Or well, um, my dad actually a little bit after I was born, he turned himself in and he got clean, which is awesome. I'm really happy wow. for him. Not, okay. Not a lot of people are able to beat opioid addiction. It is one of the hardest drugs to get off of, um, and he did that. And I think when I was like six or seven, he got out of prison and I started to form a relationship with him. 
Um, I, I wouldn't say I'm like super duper close with him, but I do like to keep in touch with him because he is my dad. Uh, but you know, my, I think my real father figure is my grandfather. Oh, well, sure. Yeah. yeah. He, t- he's the one that taught you everything, you know, you yeah. can probably credit a lot of the good things about yourself yeah. to him. Yeah. Um, and I, oh, oh sorry. You're I good. Mike. Uh, but there was, there was actually one experience I, I think I should mention cause it's a pretty significant one. Um, about noticing like drug use in the house. Um, so there was one time, uh, during my senior year of high school, um, and I was in this musical and it was the week of the show. And, uh, we had musical practice Monday through Friday, uh, from six to nine. And it was the beginning of that week. And I got home from practice at 9 PM and, uh, my uncle was staying with us for a little bit. Uh, he'd been staying with us for like a couple weeks at this point, but anyways, uh, I walk into my house and he's sitting to the right of me on our couch and he's just watching TV. He's like, what's up, bud? Um, you know, I don't think anything of it. Um, and I go to my room, I play some video games. And then when I come out to get some water later, um, I find him like half in, half out of this bathroom doorway. And Here, pick this thing up and yeah. tilt it straight just so you don't... Like that? And then turn it a little more like so that. it's... Yes, perfect. Okay. okay. So you come out, he's half in, half out of something. Yeah, he's half in, half out of the like bathroom doorway. He's on the ground. Um, and he's like not moving at all. I literally... I Like I'm looking at him and I'm filling up my water and I just like... I can't believe what I'm looking at because it's like, dude, is he dead? Like... So you walked into the bathroom and filled up your water and, uh, over top of it? No, no, no. Okay, okay. So here's my kitchen, and then there's a doorway here, and then there's our laundry room, and then there's another doorway that goes into the bathroom. Okay. And the door was open, and he was on the ground, like, out. And you see his feet sticking out in the hallway or something? Yes. Okay. Yeah, and I, you know, I'm like, what do I do? What do I do? Like, he is he dead? And so I... I take some of my water and I kind of like pour a little bit on his face to see if he reacts because it's cold water. So like if he's awake, he'll move, uh, or if he's responding, he'll move or something. Uh, and nothing happened and his face started getting purple. And then I was like, okay. Uh, uh, so I, I went into my grandma's room and I was like, Hey, uh, I think Dustin overdosed. Um, I just assume that's what it was. Cause it's like, what else could it be? You know, like he's, it's, you know, I didn't see a needle or anything anywhere, but, um, anyways, I, for a moment there though, I really stopped and thought, I was like, you know, he's probably going to die of an overdose someday. Like, should I just let him go? That sounds bad, but it's like, that could be what happens someday. You know, he might never beat his addiction. There's a, a thing when people, who are dealing with a loved one with Alzheimer's, mm-hmm. when the person with Alzheimer's does die, the majority of them f- say they feel relief. Mm-hmm. And I assume it could be similar when you have a loved one, especially one that lives with you, who's a constant narcotics user to think, you know, boy, you put us through a lot of a lot of pain and a lot of grief. Mm-hmm. And for them to think that they might have overdosed, of course, that thought cross, crosses your mind. It's like, yeah. you know what? Maybe it's all over and it was going to happen sometime. So, yeah. It, and it does sound harsh. And it's not right necessarily to think that way, but it's it's completely warranted, I would say. Yeah. And it, I think it also helps. That's not what I ended up like 
doing. Like I didn't just, you did. die. yeah, I was like, you know, all right, let's, then we let's, might have a problem. Man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we called the ambulance and they got there and there, uh, the police also came and they're familiar with my uncle Dustin. Um, and then when they, uh, revived him, they just took him to either the hospital or jail for the night. I don't remember. I think he went to the hospital and they did find a needle at that time is when they found it. He had it in his pocket. Um, he had another one in his pocket. I'm sorry. And the one he used actually was on the floor under him. He had fell on it. Like not with the needle in his arm. I don't, mm-hmm. you know, he must have just injected it and then dropped it or something. I don't know. Yeah. And what the police probably did from my talk with Tom Vygasky was they probably shot him up with... Uh, Narcane. Narcane, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And just it makes him like, somehow makes him breathe again. They I don't wake know. wake right up. It's mm-hmm. really weird. I don't know exactly how they do it. I think it's like a shot or something that they just kind of stick in him and then... Mm-hmm. back. Well, hey, real quick on that positive note, you know, because he lived, right? He mm-hmm. he lived, and he's still around today. Yeah, but I don't. Well, actually, I don't know. That's it. Oh. Like I said, I don't know where he is, so I don't know if he's alive <laughs> or not. But Goodness, I, I well, hope so. I hope he's in the spirit of hoping he's still around and he's doing well. I would just like to take a second to say thanks to a few sponsors of this show. So, firstly, <laughs> are you a sharp, charismatic, and intelligent? independent person i apologize this is the first time i'm doing this in the middle of the show i'm reading straight to you guys because i care i want to sh- i want to keep these these advertisements sharp but are you a sharp charismatic independent person living in central illinois garland are you listening yes i am are you looking for an exciting job with flexible hours where you will hone your sales and communication and marketing skills and only occasionally be asked to come to a physical location in fairbury well then if you are listen up because aftershock decals and design is a premier graphic design studio that's looking for a part-time salesperson to join their growing team. Whether you're a student looking to get some valuable experience while pursuing your degree or stay-at-home mom, say, who's craving some part-time work and extra income or someone who's just sick and tired of working an 8-to-5 desk job, this position could be exactly what you're looking for. On a personal note, I've worked with this team at Aftershock Decals and Design a number of times and they are excellent and there's a reason why they're adding to their team and it's because they make tons of great products and they're growing every year. This is a fantastic opportunity to sharpen your sales chops and earn some serious dough. So if you're interested, send an email or email your resume to Kirk, K-I-R-K, at AfterShockDD.com or apply online at AfterShockDD.com forward slash jobs to begin what might be your dream career. And also, of course, if you didn't know, Valentine's Day is coming up and you do not want to be the person who doesn't get your special someone a beautiful bouquet of flowers. The gift of flowers has long been a way of expressing your love and admiration for your significant other on this centuries-old holiday. But if you attempt to go out and find your own flowers, arrange them nicely, and get them to your person on time, you can go wrong in so many different ways. Lucky for you, though, Nature's Designs by Tiff and Fairbury is taking all the stress out of the holiday this year so that you can fully enjoy it with the person you love. Just call them up at 815-692-3024 and tell them that you'd like some flowers to be delivered to your loved one's address on Valentine's Day. And get this, you can even ask them to deliver it in the morning or in the afternoon, and they can include chocolates, stuffed animals, candles, bath products, plants, and other cute gift items as well to really put a smile on your loved one's face. So don't delay. Call up Nature's Designs by Tiff at 815-692-3024 and schedule your incredible Valentine's Day delivery package and make this Valentine's Day the best one yet. 
I love Valentine's Day, don't you? Yeah, Valentine's Day is pretty cool. Yeah, you know who it's what the whole holiday's around around Saint Valentine. You know that story. I knew it was around Saint Valentine, but I don't know mm-hmm. about Saint Valentine. So, pretty sure he was like a priest or something that uh, in like the Middle Ages would wed uh, army military people that mm-hmm. weren't allowed to get married. He would kind of marry them in secret. Mm-hmm. It was a really romantic, cool thing. But, but anyway, so you grew up around around these hard drugs. I assume there were some bad habits around that you could have easily caught on to. It's amazing you never got sucked into the world of hard drugs yourself. Why? Did you ever develop any bad habits or get close, to you think, to doing drugs or becoming a person you didn't want to become? Um, yeah. Uh, when I was really younger, I had a problem with stealing. Um, like a bad problem. Like there was one time... Um, when I was in like third grade, I straight up went into a kid's locker at school and stole his phone out of his book bag. And then I, I got a call at my house later that evening and it was this kid's parents and they were like, Hey, uh, you know, this is Mrs. Burton. And I just wanted to say, I know your grandson, uh, stole my son's phone. We can see the location on it. And they were like, so I, People can hear it on the audio, oh, so okay. Oh, I just about to um, but so they said we see the location, Garland. Yeah. We know it's you. Yeah, they were like, you know, give it up, and so we drove there, and my grandparents made me get out. This was the good of them to do. They made me get out and physically walk up and be like, "Here's your phone, dude." You were probably sweating bullets. Yeah, <laughs> dude. Like I was so scared and I was so embarrassed, and like I think that's what I needed to. Uh, to get over that habit was to be embarrassed. Like, cause it's like, it's, it's clearly embarrassing. It's like, why would I, why would I need to steal this? And I just felt like I had to, I wanted it so bad. I couldn't wait to get one myself. Um, and so I stole it and then I got caught and then I didn't steal stuff anymore. Really? Man, incredibly valuable lesson there. And for a kid to have to go face the music you know, just you at the front door, this kid's <laughs> house, that's powerful stuff. And I remember in seventh, it might've been, it was fifth grade, fifth grade. I remember I was trying to flirt with this girl. Uh, Lexi is her name. She might watch this and she might remember this pretty well, but her name was Lexi. I took her phone. I was like, I'm going to call the Baptist church. And cause she went to the Baptist church in Fairbury who I might be doing a commercial for. Please don't, uh, cancel that because of this. But <laughs> so I pulled up the phone. I showed her like, look, Baptist church, I'm going to call them and tell them I hate their church. And, and she's like, no, Paul, don't do that. Thinking I wouldn't cause I wasn't planning on it. I hit call and, um, it, it didn't, I heard no noise when I put it to my ear. And so I was like, okay, silence. It didn't actually call. It looks like I'm calling though. So I said, my name's Paul Garcia, and I just think this church is the worst. It's so incorrect. I can't believe it. You guys are corrupt. I just said everything terrible that could come to my fifth grade mind. And then I went, boop. And it said, I remember it said, like, call ended. I'm like, wait a minute. I didn't think it was. It had even begun, really. It was recording that whole so, time. So anyways, I gave her phone back, and she leaves. It's at a basketball game. She comes back in. She's like, Paul, my dad wants to talk to you. And all of a sudden, like, lightning bolts in my brain. I'm like, Oh no. Like you knew it right away. You felt it. I was like, it. I knew something fishy was going on when I didn't hear anything on the phone. But anyway, he's like, 
who are you to say that to my church? You, I literally called their church. It's like the pastor, the main guy's line. I told him mm. these horrible things. And anyway, long story short, he was ticked, and he came and he came and picked me up from my mom's house mm-hmm. and made me go to the pastor's house, who I had just said I hated his church and said they were horrible, terrible, everything bad. That's I was good. Like, they I'm, made you confront it. They did, and I never made a call like that again. Exactly. Oh man. Exactly. That's sometimes you need that. You just need to get embarrassed and humbled, really. You mm-hmm. know. I remember you told me one time about a story where you stole something else. You know what I'm talking about? Cross. Oh, yeah, yeah. Could you okay. tell that story? Yes, this story is crazy. Um, I used to live, when I when I lived with my grandparents, we lived in a house out in Chinoa, uh, like literally right across the street from the Catholic uh, cemetery. And like I have a very wild imagination. Like So if I got bored in the house, I would go outside and just kind of explore and you know, see what was going on outside. And sometimes I would walk over to the cemetery and, uh, people, loved ones, I'm assuming of people who have passed away, you know, sometimes they'll put like jewelry or like crosses in front of like, uh, the tombstones and stuff. And I remember one time I was walking around and I came across this really pretty, like it was huge. It was a cross probably like this big and it was like um like stained glass on it. Like it was very, very nice. And I was like, hmm, I like that. And I took it. And then I took it home and uh I sat it up on my windowsill. So like it was it was like its own little like shrine. I was like, Oh, this is so pretty, <laughs> it looks good here. And then my grandparents <laughs> I think my grandma saw it. She was like, where'd you get that? And I said, oh, I got it from the cemetery. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, she got really mad and made me go try to put it back, but I could not remember where I got it from. (laughs) So... That that's not so good, but watch someone watch this and they've been looking for this this cross that was like (laughs) worth thousands of dollars for years. I just I mean, I just sat it on a like on a tombstone around that area, but like that's another one of those, like, that's an that's like the the other significant story I, story I have of stealing something. Like that was really bad, and I I didn't realize how bad that was in like in the moment there, mm-hmm. and then they explained it to me later. Like, ooh, would you say you were a troubled kid at all? Yeah, um, I didn't really do well in school either, and I would get like picked on a lot. I mean, I I, I know I've always been like different a little bit different. Like I'm very passionate. I'm very, um, I feel like I'm very feminine for like a guy. Um, which is interesting because, and I, I think I'm feminine in some ways, but you're also extremely masculine in others. So it's well, interesting. I, maybe like physically masculine. I don't know. Like, I don't know. I'm, uh, uh, dude, sorry. I keep drawing blanks. It's you're so fine. Bad. No, no. Who cares? Um, you're, you're saying, you know, you're, you're, why did you say you were feminine? Cause, um, I think that's one of my very defining characteristics. Like I just, uh, I think I'm, uh, how do I describe it? Um, uh, I don't know. I just feel like I don't like the stuff guys like as much. Like I don't like sports as much i don't like watching football i don't i mean i like lifting weights that's one masculine thing i guess but i'm more like i like art and i like um i like 
um, girly stuff. <laughs> it's it's so strange. It's like who cares? Honestly, no. I'm not big on football. I, I love the arts as well. I love I love beautiful music. I love yeah. gorgeous art. Like I can talk about that stuff. Mm-hmm. I love. I also love electronics and like video and beautiful mm-hmm. video. I don't know if that's that could be more feminine. Who gives a rip? Like mm-hmm. I think I think some of the more masculine things are somewhat shallow intellectually. Mm-hmm. You know, if you can sit and just talk about. Maybe um some people get mad at me for that, but mm. I'm I'm not big in sports. I don't know jack about basketball. Mm-hmm. I thought you could name a team. I couldn't tell you what sport it is if it's college or professional. Like mm-hmm. uh, the Golden State Warriors. I thought that was a college team for a long time. <laughs> and I'll be honest with you, I don't know if it's professional in this moment for sure. It is. Yeah. Um. I'm not that familiar with sports and stuff, but yeah, I know it's a professional basketball team. Um. I think another thing that's really like typically stop banging the thing sorry i'm just gonna move yeah let go away. of it yeah let go of it i just feel like i gotta be doing something with my hands um, i understand um i think another thing too is like i like to talk about my feelings with i mean i use people as my therapy a lot like i mean strangers i'll meet every day maybe i share too much like i'll run into people and i'll be like hey how are you doing and then you know maybe they'll say something a little revealing and then i'll say something a little more revealing and then i'll end up having a like an hour or two hour long conversation with a stranger i've just met there's been many times where i've had that and it's crazy i think that's a beautiful thing Mm -hmm. that's wonderful yeah and it's it's i have not always been able to do that like when i was little i had a lot of trouble talking to people i i still kind of do because i like i'm oh i'm always thinking so it's kind of like Sometimes I can get lost in what I'm saying and what I'm thinking, and it's like it gets very chaotic. Um, but I can talk. To, I'm. I can talk better to people if that makes sense than when I did when I was a little kid. Like I was much more awkward and shy. And well, and you must enjoy it. You must enjoy conversation. Otherwise, it wouldn't last for two hours with strangers. Yeah, it's. I and just, they must enjoy it as well because otherwise, it wouldn't last two hours. Yeah, it's. I. I just like learning about people. Like I like hearing interesting stories and. Um, and I, I think a lot of people have good advice, you know, especially older people, not all old people, but, uh, you know, a lot of the older people I've met typically have some sort of life lesson they can pass down to me. And one of my biggest things in my life is that I want to be able to pass down a lot of lessons to my children. Like, I don't want my children to be dumb. I want them to be smart and I want them to be good people. And like, I was just telling someone the other day, like one of my biggest fears is like my children or a child of mine comes and asks me for meaningful advice and I have nothing to say, like, I don't know what I would do in that moment. I just want to be a good dad. And I'm not, I don't even have kids yet. Like I just want, Mm -hmm. I I want to set myself up for that. Dude, look, it's hilarious how similar we are. You know, I too love meaningful, long conversations with, with people who have wisdom. I'm hungry and thirsty for knowledge and wisdom. I love talking to older people because, like it or not, they have more experience. They have more knowledge in a variety of different sects of, of life. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I mean, it, we've known this for a long time. You and I are cut from the same cloth, at least in in many, many ways. Yeah. And it's hilarious, really. Yeah. But, okay, so speaking of... um. Well, speaking of, not speaking of anything, why, I'm confused. When did you go from the stealing kid that lied and was around drugs? Oh, yeah. When was a pivotal time in your life? Yeah, sorry, I'm bouncing around a no, lot. No, no, I, I was bouncing around. It's uh, a conversation, man. We just, we start talking about whatever we talk about. Yeah. Um, There's no script. Yeah. Uh, well, so, 
Well, actually, I'd say there was kind of a lot of pivotal moments. Um, I think like the first one really was like in seventh grade. That's when people kind of stopped picking on me and I started like hanging out with people more often and kind of getting used to actually being around friends and stuff. Like it's crazy to say, but like up until seventh grade, I did not hang out with anybody ever. Like very, if I did, it was very, very rare. What did you do with your time? I played video games and I explored my farm and like I I I could always find something to occupy my mind um but just being around people just has never really been um a big um it's never been something I've been able to do super well. You're um, introverted. Yeah, but I can act like an extrovert. Like I'm normally I am introverted like deep down, but my persona, like what I show to everybody else around the world, like everybody I see every day, it's I I'd say I'm pretty extroverted in that. Well, that's very introspective of you to yeah. know that about yourself. Okay. Yeah. Why do you think that is? Do you do you force yourself to be extroverted? Or do you are you just sometimes drawn to be that way? No, I think it's forcing myself a little bit. It, well, no, 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 it's kind of a mix cuz like like I was just saying, like I like to learn about people, but most of the time I'm so focused on the stuff I'm really interested in that like everything else is just noise. Like, like sometimes I'll have a conversation with somebody on the street, like a stranger, and I won't care about anything they're saying. I'm just like, dude, I want to get to what I'm about to go do, but I won't show that. I'll just, you know, act normal and go on about my day and go back to whatever I was interested in doing. You know, like if I'm on the way to the gym and I see somebody at the gas station who wants to talk to me for an hour, I'm not going to talk to him for an hour. Mm-hmm. You know, you're, you're, you're in or you're out. You're not like yeah. always in a constant, you know, I'm always willing to listen. It's like, depends. That's yeah. All. It just depends on the situation. And that's kind of selfish though, because it's like, okay, well, I'm only going to listen to you if you have something valuable to offer me, like valuable words, you know, it's, you could say it's that, or you could say you know what you want, you know what you're interested in, you know what you want to go do. That's a better way to look at it, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, well, tell me about when, again, when did things pivotal, change? Yeah. yeah, pivotal time. Was it high school? Was it junior high? or Well, what? seventh grade, that's when I started like being around, like hanging out with people more often. And then I was still failing classes and stuff in seventh and eighth grade. I barely passed seventh and eighth grade, actually. Um and then when I got to high school, I was still not doing well with school. I just didn't really care about it. Um, and then after a year, I had failed, I think, two or three classes, and I had to retake them my sophomore year. And so I was in classes with freshmen, and I was so embarrassed. And that goes back to what I said earlier, like embarrassment, it changes you, and it's totally necessary. You need it. Um and failing those classes like that made me be like all right this is so embarrassing I'm not or at least I'm going to try not to fail a class ever again and for the rest of high school I didn't um and then everything else I started working on was like kind of my behavior like I just kind of try to figure myself out really throughout high school I'm still trying to do that um but my sophomore year that's like I felt I just felt like I needed to do something extra extraordinary like I need to prove myself I guess like and I feel like if I didn't come from the background that I did I don't think I would be as determined to make something of myself because like I want to show the world like I can do this like I can do anything I want I can become anything I want um 
anything I set my mind to, I can do. Who told you that? Who told you that you could do that? You know, because kids don't just, maybe they do sometimes like, wait a minute, I can become anything. I'm good enough. Not really the case with kids that grow up in your situations. Like, okay, I see everyone around me is uh, doing drugs and not doing too well and is pretty, you know, kind of messed up. What made you believe that you could do whatever you want? I mean, you told me that a lot, like in wrestling and stuff, and I, I didn't believe it for a while. But I mean, I think after I, I did a couple of things that were really, really hard like that kind of proved to myself, like, you know what? I can do anything. Like when, when I weighed like 200 pounds, my first year of wrestling, like I was a fat kid. Um, and then I, I cut and I went down to like 145. I was the leanest I ever was. I was 4% body fat. I literally could not believe how I looked. And that was one of the things that was like, you know what? Maybe I actually can do these things because like i've never seen anybody else look like that not to toot my own horn but it's it was incredible though yeah yeah like it's that really kind of showed me and then hey you got how'd you get your cup again oh yeah my bad <laughs> um and then so you're four percent yeah that was nuts yeah yeah that was that really just kind of showed me like all right you know what if i can have the discipline to do this i can probably do a lot of other really tough stuff tough things um and uh, I didn't, I, I think another thing too, is like the music I listened to. Like I've, um, I wasn't huge into like Kanye West when I was younger, but I got into him when I was older and a lot of people know him as like, show be- him the tat, man. believing, believing in himself and stuff like that. I got the, oh, you can't see it. Hold <laughs> it's up. like perfectly. Yeah. Well, my, my shoulders covering it. Yeah. Yeah, that's a teddy bear from the graduation album. Hmm. Um, he must be super meaningful for you if you're willing to get a tattoo like that. Yeah, yeah. This art in particular, I saw when I was little. I, I heard the song "Flashing Lights" by Kanye on the radio, and I was obsessed with it. And that's been like my favorite song ever since then. And this was on that album cover. And this piece of art, like I, I draw it all the time, and I have it like. It's almost weird how much I like it. Mm-hmm. Well, did it, it must've spoke to you in some way. Yeah. Yeah. It really, it like, I just like how Kanye is all about being yourself, no matter what anybody has to say. Like he said some obnoxious things and he, I mean, but he's himself unapologetically. And I love that. And I don't, you know, I don't want to be like any average ordinary citizen. So I align with how he thinks very well, Hmm. I think. So it was it was wrestling, and I didn't know you were gonna say me in there. By the way, I didn't set him up for that. <laughs> for that, like, tell him, tell him who did that. No, like, so it was. You might have forgot. Like, you know, I don't forget stuff mm-hmm. like that. Like to me, that would have been more significant than probably mm-hmm. to you saying it to me. You know? Right. Well, yeah, yeah. We remember our, the pivotal moments. Um, mm-hmm. But like, so you you started to realize. I remember Tom Brands, Iowa head coach, saying, "Someone asked, you know, how do you how do you get kids to uh, to believe in in what you're doing?" Mm-hmm. He's, and he said, "I love how simple he puts things." He said, "We get them ready to do really hard things that they say they can't do, that they don't think they can do, mm-hmm. and we get them through it. And so when they do it, they realize, hey, I can do a lot of things that these guys tell me to do." Yeah. Especially if I just kind of stick with them. You you get them to realize that they can do more than they ever thought. And then it's like, well, show me then. And that's how kids kind of buy in. Mm-hmm. But it, there's something about, and it's also neuro, neurological. 
you, you witness yourself do something that you've never done, it opens the floodgates to, well, what else can I do that I've never done? Mm-hmm. It's like, technically speaking, there's one thing. Maybe I can do a million other things that I haven't done yet. Mm-hmm. It's just, but you got to go do, look to do a hard thing that you kind of doubt you can do. That's an extreme challenge. You got to undertake it just once and mm-hmm. it could change your life. Mm-hmm. And for you, it was weight cutting, it seems like. Yeah, just, I mean, like, like it looked like a night and day difference to me, and I just could not believe I did that. I'm gonna show. A, I'm gonna put up a little picture at oh, this point. Okay. Oh no, I, I won't do it now. You know what? Maybe I can do it now. Uh, keep talking a little bit. So yeah. So why was that meaningful for you? Well, kind of like we just said. Like I just couldn't believe I was able to do that. And then I think also having wrestling too, um, like that humbled me quite a bit. Like. Sometimes I think I have a pretty big head, but before wrestling, I had a really big head, and uh, I got my butt kicked a lot. And well, in what way did you did you have a big head? Like I feel like I'm, you're one of the most humble people I've ever met to an annoying extent. <laughs> well, sometimes I get I get into a bad habit of being like really arrogant and thinking like it's it kind of ties back in with saying I think I can do anything, anything I put my mind to, I can do. Um, sometimes I think, you know, I overestimate my ability. Like sometimes I think I'm smarter than I am or, and I might act that way. And then, you know, I'll get humbled. Like somebody will be like, no, that's not how it is actually. And that always sucks when you're like, I, as a kid, I remember times where I'd be like, blah, 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 blah. And then actually this and this, and all of a sudden I I don't realize, but I just said something that's completely wrong and someone calls me out and it's like, I should watch that. Yeah. And for me, I, I thought like, okay, you know, like I'm kind of a bulky kid. I feel like I could defend myself pretty well. And then I went into wrestling and that's when I got my butt kicked. I'm like, wow, I really don't know anything. You know? So <laughs> I got that picture. Boom. Oh. <laughs> Holy smokes, dude. Yeah. That's wild. Is it weird looking at that? Do you still look like that? Uh, not at the moment. I weigh 210 right now. That right there in that picture, I don't think I'm... 145. I think I'm like 160 in that picture. I don't think I have a picture of me at 145. I, I, I Were you anorexic here at all? I should watch what I say. That's a sensitive subject. But were, did you have a bad relationship with food? Um, ish. Like, like it was kind of like, um, I, I don't really know. Like it was like, I was choosing not to eat as much. Obviously that's, you know, that's what you have to do on a diet. And I was eating really healthy food. Um, I'd say some days I'd probably, you know, eat a little less on purpose, maybe a little less than I should have. Um, so yeah, a little bit maybe. Okay. Um, well, I want to ask, you know, you were at at this time in your life, you were really lean. You were, you know, you're an adult at this point, you kind of graduate high school, do the whole thing and things are going relatively okay. But I do know there was a rough patch in your life. And if, if you're willing to talk about it, I would love to talk about it, but before we get into that, you know, we're on a kind of a high note here. I want to say thanks to a couple <laughs> wonderful sponsors. So I'd like to give a take a quick second to say thanks to, first of all, Fairbury Furniture, because Fairbury Furniture is Central Illinois' champion. You know something about being a champion. Champion mm-hmm. furniture store. Wouldn't you agree with that, Tristan? 
Yeah, that's a champion store. It's a champion store, no doubt. This family-owned business offers a vast selection of premium furniture items from all of your favorite brands, including Sealy, Best Home Furnishings, Leather Italia, Tempur-Pedic, and Ashley, just to name a few. And right next door to their gorgeous 7,000-square-foot furniture showroom, you will find the Fairbury Furniture Mattress Store, home to all the latest and greatest mattresses in any and all sizes. Have you ever slept on a terrible mattress, Garland? Yeah, actually, most of my life I did. Yep, yeah. it was probably pretty terrible, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, it sucked. My back hurt. So you should yeah. definitely check out the Fairbury Furniture mattress store. So here at Fairbury Furniture, the staff is helpful and friendly, and they're all well-stocked with all the mattresses, tables, chairs, recliners, couches, rugs, and decorative pillows that your heart could possibly desire. So make your home interior beautiful, comfortable, stylish, and delightful when you shop at Fairbury's own Fairbury Furniture, located in, of course, Fairbury, Illinois. Great place, great people. And let's see if I can actually pull this up now. And in addition to iconic, you know, another iconic business in Fairbury, Illinois, is Dave's Supermarket in Fairbury. They are the champion grocery store in central Illinois and, dare I say, the world. So here's a quick message from them. Since 1950, Dave's Supermarket in Fairbury has been wowing customers throughout Central Illinois with their unmatched customer service, delectable deli market, beloved grocery carryout service, and many other fortes, which is why they've earned hundreds of five-star reviews online. Dave's Third Street Deli has plenty of seating and is a destination place to meet your family and friends for good food, fun, and fellowship. Not only is their home-style fried chicken here the best around, but you can also enjoy free coffee and 50-cent ice cream every single day. And be sure to check out their Old World Bakery while you're here, where freshly baked goods are prepared every morning. You'll find hundreds of unique and signature items here at Dave's that you won't find anywhere else, like their famous potato salad, ham loaf, and canned meats, just to name a few. Dave's Supermarket is open Monday through Saturday from 7 a.m. to 8 p.m. and offers online shopping and curbside services. Come experience this revered location that puts a super in supermarket when you shop at Dave's in Fairbury, Illinois. Wowing the customer for over 70 years. Alright, we're back. That was interesting. That was the first time I've ever done that type of thing. But uh, So now I want to talk a little bit about you know your, your life after high school, things get interesting. You know, you're big into working out, and uh, well, I'll kind of let you take the the reins here and tell me about this chapter in your life where things became incredibly difficult for you. I I started going to school at Heartland, and I really liked that, and I was doing acting and stuff. Um, and then over the summer of uh, 2019, I started talking to this girl I really liked. Um, and this was my first relationship I ever had. Um, I don't know if I should call it a relationship or not, cause I never officially asked this person out, but we were hanging out every single day and, you know, acting like a couple. Um, so I thought we were in a relationship. Uh, but anyways, we were together for a couple months and that was fine. And, um, I think I realized a lot about myself, like I'm, kind of a kind of kind of a distant lover a little bit like I'm not very uh physically affectionate I have trouble getting close to people like that and you know being vulnerable physically and stuff um and so that kind of bothered this 
person a little bit, you know, like. Hey, why the heck aren't you uh, loving me physically? You, you yeah. had different love languages. Yeah, and I I'd never had a girlfriend before, so I didn't really like. I'd liked girls in the past. I've liked plenty of people, but I I've never actually been in a relationship up until this point in my life. So I didn't really know what to do, how to you know how to just be in a relationship mm-hmm. in general. Um, and so you know, kind of neglect really to her. Um, which I'm sure, you know, made her very sad and stuff. Uh, and at the time, I didn't really realize that. You know, I just kind of focused on what I'm doing, like focus on my lifting, focus on, you know, doing all that. Um, and I think somewhere in there, that kind of, you know, deeply affected that girl. Um, and uh, sorry, I'm trying to word it right. Um, Take your time, man. People have a bad habit of trying to get it out, and they'd screw it all up, so take your time. Yeah. Um, I don't know whether or not to mention. You don't have to say names or anything, of course. Huh? No, I mean that we had sex. Oh, well, it's live, so. It is not live. It's streaming right now. You swear? No. Okay, <laughs> okay cool. Well, yeah, mention it, man. I mean, your call. You don't have to. Uh, if it's that personal but i mean people can learn from it yeah no that's true you're right okay um only do what you feel comfortable with that's my opinion yeah um well okay so there was this girl and like i was saying uh you know i was kind of neglecting her in that physical way in that part of uh, our relationship and i also had just uh became catholic not that long ago before our relationship so i'm very particular about um what I'm willing to do and what I am not willing to do physically. Um, and I have not always been that way. I used to, you know, kind of throw myself at everybody, which is a bad habit. But, um, anyways, um, um, did you lose your spot or just hesitant? I lost my spot. Um, okay, well, so you you just became Catholic, uh, and you were with this girl, and she was getting upset that you weren't speaking the same love language as she was, which was physical affection. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I'm i guessing things started to kind of, like, mount and... Uh, well, okay, so things kind of, like, I think she acted like stuff was kind of normal, um, but... Like, stuff was kind of normal. Yeah, like, it wasn't... Like, I don't think she let me, I don't think she showed me that she was really struggling. Um, And I think eventually that led her to kind of look elsewhere because she wasn't getting what she wanted from me. Um, And anyways, so I think things are normal. I feel like things are normal. You don't suspect any, yeah, any upsetness on her part. Yeah, because I, like I said, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just, this is my first relationship. Um, not, I don't want to use that as an excuse either. But you were naive. Yeah. Um, yeah, totally. And uh, eventually I do kind of open up and I'm like, okay, I, I, I will be physically affectionate. I will give you this gift of sexual intercourse. Like, and I, I don't look at it as just sex. I look at it as the most beautiful, vulnerable thing you can give to another person. So it is very... Um, Sacred, very particular, and you're not supposed to do it before marriage, obviously. Mm. But somehow I justified it in my head, and I said, okay, I'm going to do this. 
And so we did that. And then a couple days later, um, she moved to Arizona and I was rollerblading here in normal, like around uptown circle. And she FaceTimed me. She was being really weird. And, um, my phone died while I was FaceTiming her. And so I'm like, okay, well, you know, no big deal. So I skate around for a little while longer and then I go home and I plug my phone in and I get this, once my phone turns on, I have this super long message saying basically like, Hey, we got to be done. And I was so like, this is another time in my life where I was humbled a lot. Like, um, like I, I could not believe that just happened. Like I literally could not believe I just gave my body to this person and received their body and now they're gone. Like what did that do to your mind? I mean, it made me feel like, okay, maybe I'm not as much of a, of a hot shot as I think I am. And I really started to get really depressed for a while. Um, and like I was saying earlier, my thoughts are always, they are nonstop. So it got especially bad during this time to where I couldn't even sleep. And, um, I would, I would often get up like in the middle of the night cause I couldn't sleep. And you had actually given me the advice to write my thoughts down. And I felt like if I could get up and walk around and write my thoughts down, like that'd give me something to do. And it'd give me like some, give me a little exercise. Like I'm walking. So I would walk around like, uh, campus area because that's kind of where I lived at ISU campus area and I would walk around and I would just write everything I was thinking and uh, I actually found the book today I should have brought it with me that had everything I wrote in it and it was crazy looking at it because it's like dude like you can even see in the way things were written like it's very when it starts getting a little crazy scratchy yeah yeah Mm -hmm. and it's man like trying to I tried to put myself into that where my head was had at that time. And I, I couldn't do it. Like, it's crazy. Um, it was really just kind of the lowest to the low. And then after, I don't know, like, well, actually, I guess I should go back to right. What happened right after she sent me this message. So excuse me. It's fine. (laughs) Um, yeah. So I got this message and, I'm like, I'm sorry. Continue. (laughs) My bad. No, you're good. Uh, My bad. Um, I got this message and I'm looking at it and I'm like, what? You know, like I get slightly irritated and she's like, you know, I I love to still be friends. You're just too far away. And I'm like, no, I don't think that's going to work. I, you know, I just, I don't want to be your thinking friend. About, I'm so sorry. The burp. Yeah. My bad. No, that uh, slipped. I didn't even. No, like. I don't care at all. It's perfectly fine. <laughs> I'm just laughing at it, and it's the worst time to laugh. Please continue. This this episode's nuts. No, that's it's, okay. It's very good. You're saying something very vulnerable. I'm sorry I laughed. No, that's, it wasn't it's, at that. It's, it's the burp was funny. Okay. Um, okay. Continue. But, um. So she was, she was saying, I wish we could still be friends, but you're just too far away. Yeah. Yeah. She was like, you know, you're too far away and I would, uh, I would love to still be friends with you if that's what you want. And I said, no, actually I, uh, me being arrogant thinking, you know, I'm too good to be friends with you. Like I, I have to be in a relationship with you. That, or Uh, maybe you, you just knew it was best for yourself. Well, 
uh, or maybe it's I knew what I wanted and I wanted that really badly. Maybe mm. not in a good way. Like it's like it's almost like trying to control her a little bit. Like no, you can't leave me. A little bit, but hmm, okay. Am I wrong? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Um, it, it's more clear in your mind. I just thought it was like you know we can still be friends, but you knew like if uh, being friends with you would be torture. As it usually is with someone you just break that's up That's kind of the way I was looking at it. Cause okay. I, was like, I don't mean to put words in your mouth or anything. No, no. That's that's what I was trying to say, head. but I couldn't get it out. Okay. Um, anyway, so I kind of tell her, you know, like, no, I don't really want to do that. I, I'm sorry. And then the next day, I, I think that was kind of like the end of our conversation for that day. Or maybe I said some more stuff. I don't know. There's probably a little bickering going on back and forth. Mm-hmm. But then the next day... I completely had a total attitude change and I was like, you know what? Like, I'm really mad about this. Like I am PO'd. Mm-hmm. I'm furious and I can't hold it in. And so I kind of just unleashed all that on her. Um, and I just would not stop bugging her for a while. And uh, over the course of a couple of weeks, I would find out more and more stuff. Like she was, um, having sex with her ex-boyfriend while she was with me. And that goes back to what I said. Like, I thought we were in a relationship because we were acting like people who were in a relationship. We're hanging out every day. We're, you know, smooching. And so that's not, it, and talking about getting married. And, that yeah. had to wreck you to find out that she was sleeping with another guy when she was with you. Yeah. that. And I'm glad we didn't name her name or anything, but yeah, I don't actually, I never met her. But. I don't want to bash her, but I, I also want to tell the truth here. Sure. Um, you know, like I did bad stuff here and she did bad stuff as well. Um, so, but anyway, so yeah, that happened. I found that out and like that just brought up the thought in my head, blinking all the time. Like, um, I really can't believe somebody did this to me. And that, you know, that put me even further down that hole and eventually... I just was struggling so much. I I literally thought at one point that my life was not worth living anymore. Like I could like I just thought I had failed like enormously. I was like I just gave my body to this person. You can't undo that. You can't lose your virginity again. Um you know, I I have to tell my future wife that I'm not a virgin, you know, and like all, it just, just the thought of failing so badly, it's like, okay, you know, she wasn't the one and, and also, you know, she had sex with these people or this guy, I shouldn't say people, her ex-boyfriend and then it just kind of snowballed um, and I started having suicidal thoughts and, um, you know, I didn't feel like I could talk to people about it. Um, and I would come to you a lot cause I didn't really feel comfortable talking to most people about it. Um, and then one day, I don't know what in particular the trigger was. That's how insignificant, like what, what, how do I say this? Uh, whatever happened that day was insignificant to me now. I can't remember it. But it triggered me, and I was like, you know what? Today's the day. I'm just going to do it. And um, I went to Walmart, and I got a rope, and I started, like, looking up how to 
tie a noose and all that stuff. And then I would eventually try to actually commit suicide. And um, I couldn't do it. Like, I started thinking, you know, I'm going to go to hell. Like, what am I going to commit a moral sin and then die? Like, you know what I mean? Like, that terrified me enough that I had to, like, stop. And I had to be like, okay, what am I doing? You know, like, I've I've got to stay alive. I've got to just face the suffering. I've got to, you know, I've got to survive somehow. Um, and, yeah. Sorry, you're, you're giving me no, a No, I'm face. so sorry. I'm just, it hurts. It hurts to hear that. It really does. And I'm just so glad you're still here, dude. I'm oh, my I'm gosh. You. My goodness. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry too. I was making faces, but, man, oh, it hurts. It hurts because I know you so personally. Yeah. And I remember that time. And Yeah, I remember that day I called you, and I'll never forget this moment. We met up really quick after I called you. I was like, dude, I'm, I'm having some problems. And we met up at Blaze Pizza. And he came over to me, and he gave me a big hug. And uh, he was like, I almost lost my best friend today. And, you know, I think about that moment often, and it makes me cry because it's like, dude that's crazy like because i love you dude i love you i do i do we're much more like brothers than we are friends 90 percent of the time i mean Mm -hmm. really ah so yeah that was nuts that Mm -hmm. hurt that was so i was ecstatic though that you were alive still because it's like all right man it's just like first of all i'm I'm not a professional but we gotta figure something out we gotta figure something out Mm -hmm. together I'm not, you know, I can't do anything really. I'm not a professional, mm-hmm. um, but I can at least help in some way. And like, what what happened after that? After that time? Because first of all, I want to just say, you know, I want to know what went through your mind. You know, was it just mortal sin? Can't do it. Don't want to go to hell. Or was it something else? Like, hey, maybe maybe I can get through this. Maybe I don't need to do this. Maybe the best of my life is is still to be lived. Like, tell me, let's start there. Like. Well, I think it a big thing of it was like I was really scared to go to hell, but I was also like, dude, like if I do this, like that's just going to show people like I didn't become anything. I failed myself and that's not what I'm here to do. Like I want to I want to do something significant. Whatever that is, um, you know, I I want to leave a, a mark here on earth. So that was kind of something that it was like, I mean, survival instincts kicking in, but it's like, you're trying to, I'm trying to die in, dude, I don't know how to talk right now. You're fine. Keep going. You, you, I, thought I was following. It's survival instincts, but you were trying to kill myself. Right. Well, it's like, was it? It was like probably your, adrenaline. A part of inside of you was it, it was it was some part deep down inside of you's last hurrah. Like, hey, remember, you have a lot of life to live, and you you gotta have a you have to live a meaningful life. You have work to do yet. Mm-hmm. Like some inside of you screaming out. It was like that's yeah. survival instinct yeah, inside. You're better you. describing it than me. Well, actually. it's because I I I, jur- I don't mean to sound. It's because I journal. You said that you one of the favorite quotes that I've heard is you don't know anything you don't know what you think until you write it down there's mm-hmm. something about writing things down you can't ramble on paper because your hand will get tired mm-hmm. so you articulate your thoughts and all of a sudden you know what you think and I think doing that often enough has strangely led me to not stutter and say um and uh too much mm-hmm. and it just helps me to 
conceptualize and articulate abstract thoughts, you know, mm-hmm. otherwise they're just floating in your mind. But, mm-hmm. but so it was like that part of you's last hurrah. It was like that part of you's survival instinct saying, hey, you know, it was calling out to you to beg you to not follow through mm-hmm. with this. And I also want to say, you know, given what you went through, I, I've heard it described by psychologists as, especially for you, you were 18, you gave your virginity, or 19 or 20 or something, gave your virginity to this girl, which is the largest investment you've ever made, the largest leap of faith you've ever made, the most meaningful uh, investment and leap of faith that you've ever taken in your life. Mm-hmm. And shortly thereafter, in this person that you put all your trust in, and love towards and gave your body to, they you more or less started building your house on this foundation. It's mm-hmm. like, all right, this is a big move. You picked the foundation, all of a sudden it crumbled out from under you. And it's like, well, you just swept the rug out from under me, and I had put all my possessions on that. And it's just like, who else can I trust? What is life? What is anything? It, it just totally uprooted everything you had, had known, and that happens to people sometimes. And it can just throw them through like i mean it's just psychological chaos yeah pure it's literally chaos because nothing is as it should and everything is a mystery you don't really know anything anymore i'm glad you explained that because i i worry a lot of people will hear me talk about that and they'll be like oh well he tried to kill himself over a girl it's like when you look at it simply like that yeah it's it's probably comical i guess because you can put the whole situation in one sentence does not mean you give the correct amount of merit to the significance of the situation at all yeah yeah it's crazy Mm -hmm. people are idiots dude that kills off over a girl must be mentally weak are you nuts like some people are just dumb man screw them yeah but yeah so that happened and then obviously i met up with you and then after that i was like okay like you you did explain like I'm not a professional I can't you know there's only so much I can do and I I took that and I uh, started meeting with a psychologist regularly and um, I haven't been meeting with one as frequent as I did during that time I just haven't felt like I have needed it as much and like I said I use people for my therapy really anyways I just kind of talk to anybody about anything I want Um, what did the psychologist tell you how did you recover from this moment? Mm. Just time, time passing by. And uh, I think really focusing on my passions, like lifting. And um, and actually at this time in particular, this is when I started getting interested in psychology because I'm like, okay, I clearly don't understand how people work well enough. I wasn't a very good boyfriend. Um to this person and you know I made her look elsewhere and uh or not made her but I probably led her to do that because I was neglecting her um and so uh in in an effort to understand myself better and other people better I started getting interested in psychology and um I've just kind of since then been diving into it and that's what I want to do professionally uh when I get older I want to be a psychologist very interesting. Well, <laughs> they do say that a lot of people get into the field of psychology because they get psychologically thrown for a loop in their own lives. And they're like, well, that was interesting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's exactly what it's. I mean, so many people I've met her. How, like how are you doing now? Uh, pretty. I, I mean, I'd say the best I've been in a long time. Like, I just feel like I have control over my life. And, 
Um, you know, I'm I'm working on cutting again right now. I wanna I wanna get back down. cutting. Watch what you're saying here. It's all like cutting. Oh, you mean cutting, cutting weight? Fat. I'm sorry. Yeah, <laughs> I'm working on cutting again. Yeah, I'm doing it. Sorry, it's like when you're talking to another we should, wrestler. We have joked about that. Yeah. Yes. Continue. Yeah, you just don't think anything about it when you right. say cutting to a wrestler. Uh, I'm starting to cut again. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know that's that's something I'm working on, and I mean, um, you look good. You look healthy. You look thanks. Lean. I'm trying, <laughs> uh, and I'm particularly I'm trying to find like something new to become obsessed with, like and to work on and get good at. Like I, I've noticed a, a pattern for me my whole life is I I find something I want to get good at, and then I get really good at it, and then I start something else. Like I, I I'm like a jack of all trades. You know how that whole saying goes? No, explain it. It goes. Jack of all trades, master of none, but always better than a master of one. Yeah. Some people knock on being a jack of all trades, but mm-hmm. it's incredibly valuable. It's always better than being a master of one. Yeah. So good for you. Yeah, I just I don't know. Like I um like particularly there are a few things I, I've always been able to focus on really well and get really good at. Like um not always, actually, because I didn't. I haven't been doing these things since I was a kid. Like skating, rollerblading, I, I picked that up a couple years ago, and I would skate four or five hours a day. And I picked that up because Joey showed it to me. He, he was like, "Dude, let's skate. It's good exercise. Uh, it's better for your knees than running, and it's just fun." And so we did that. And the first time we ever skated, like. He handed me one of his bags and my balance is terrible. So I'm falling all over the place and I'm totally embarrassed. And then after that, I was like, you know what? The next time I see you, I'm going to be better than you at skating. And he's been skating much longer than me. So, you know, that's obviously a long shot. But then a couple months later, you know, I can, I can skate pretty good, probably not better than him, but I was pretty good at that time. And then about I think after like maybe a year or so, I think I passed him up. Like I can skate backwards. I can go off ramps. They're twice as tall as me. Like I, I take a lot of pride in, in that, like just in your blading abilities. Yeah. You hear that Joey? You think that's true? He's better than you. Yeah. Let me know in the comments. Yeah. Let me know <laughs> in the comments. <laughs> <laughs> well, Garland, dude, it, it, you, you've lived one heck of a life. It's fantastic seeing where you're at right now. And I think sky's really the limits. And if you just keep remembering that, you know, you're going to be, you're going to be good to go. You're, you've got charisma. You've got, you're hilarious, by the way. I, I, you're a funny guy and they barely got to see a glimpse of that, but no, man, you're good. You're a good man. And thank you so much for your time today. I appreciate it a lot. Thanks for inviting me on. My pleasure. All right. right. Hey, before we wrap this thing up, though, thank you everyone so much for watching this episode of the Paul Garcia Show. If you appreciate this episode, please give it a like, leave a comment, and give it a share for Garland's sake. And, right? Yeah, for me. Okay, if you appreciate this show, a fantastic and zero-cost way to support it is by subscribing to my page on YouTube and liking my page on Facebook and following it on Instagram. And if you'd like to support this show's production financially, please consider becoming a patron on patreon.com forward slash Paul Garcia, where you can get early access to each and every episode and have your name run across the screen at the beginning of every episode as well, all for as little as $1 a month. Also, you can even donate to my show on Venmo any dollar a amount to at username the Paul Garcia show. Until next time, I'm your host, Paul Garcia. God bless and have a great week. And thanks for bearing with me. This is the first time that I've done the ads actually during recording. Garland, how do you think that went? You know, it could have been better. Well said. Yeah, it could have been Thank better. Thank you yeah. so much, everyone. God bless and have a great week.